This is a podcast from Rover. Rural Exchange with NetSpeed. Internet till the cows come home. Welcome to Rex Daily Podcast. Today you're with Joe Grigg and we are speaking with Ivan Sutherland. Ivan was one of the first grape growers in Marlborough and is probably best known as the driving force behind the organic wine company, Dog Point Vineyard. So welcome, Ivan. I understand Marlborough's celebrating 50 years as a wine region, which is quite an achievement. What's been your part in in this history? Well, Joe, um, it's been amazing, um, the journey, and... uh, I guess Margaret, my wife and I feel quite privileged to have been part of it. Um, when we started back in 1979, uh, the exciting thing with our um, cousin, uh, Robin and Bernice Sutherland, and uh, we bought a block of land for uh, $1,300 an acre, 3,200 a hectare on Dog Point Road. And we were novices, like many back then, but uh, I created an well. I had an interest in wine and was keen to look at it. And I was watching closely what Montana were doing. You know, having started in 1973, and um, so away we went. And then, if you take it through uh, to the 90s and you take it through to the 2000s, I have to be honest, and I could would have never forecasted where the industry is now. And because you've you've actually in the worldwide wine industry, you've got a unique situation of over 30,000 hectares of development into grapes in 50 years. I don't know of any other wine region in the world that has done that. It is truly amazing and it looks like it hasn't stopped. It's quite exceptional, isn't it, when you think of that level of development and, and introduction of an industry. Yeah. I, I was trying. I was thinking back to the perhaps the deer capture days. Yes. When that industry started up, yeah. um, was it a little bit like that with a few cowboys as well as a uh, lot of great thinkers, entrepreneurs? Yeah, yeah it was pioneering. Um, some uh, mistakes made. Uh, made one too myself, and uh, you learn by experience and mistakes. Uh, particularly if they're costly. And, um, you know, and, and it was, uh, you know, the New Zealand wine industry has got wonderful camaraderie. Uh, the communication is superb. You know, between, there's a bit of banter and competition between regions. But uh, I consider, you know, the local associations, New Zealand wine growers, do a fantastic job. And it, it's a collective that swaps information and widely talks about things. And, and that's, that's wonderful. Um, and the farming industry is very good about that too, but the wine industry, I've always been impressed with that. And in those early days, we learned by workshops and field days. They were numerous and they were funny and there was a great social time too. Yeah, I, you painted a picture. It seems quite different from the European tradition of winemaking and sharing of information and would you agree with that? Yes, yeah, I would. Um, it's, you know, uh, the new world, they call it wine development. Um, you know, Marlborough is now a hugely recognised premium wine region. Um, in my early days, you know, while my uh, training at Lincoln, particularly at Soil Science and that side of it, was beneficial. There was no sort of um, viticulture and enology course then. 
So it was about experience, uh, a lot of lit literature research, and then the time of cloudy bays and traveling, and then more intensive travel. And a while, um, you know, there's more, we're, we're about more freedom and more technology, uh, and don't have the sort of ho hovering above us, the, the, the regulations of the old world. There's a lot to be admired about, about the old world and the quality parameters that they've put in place. And, you know, we can talk about something that we've start, started here, which is, is aligned with some of their sort of um, controls and management practices. Yeah, well, tell us about that, Ivan. I, I understand it's Appalachian Marlborough has been going for a few years and this is an organisation to help um, make some quality parameters around Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. So if, is, are you on the committee, Ivan? Yes, yeah, well, I was um, a chair. Uh, it, was, uh, yeah, it was interesting enough, this was discussed by John Forrest and myself back in 2008, and uh, the timing wasn't right, and we brought it forward a few years, and interesting enough, uh, uh, John Buchanan of Mount Riley Wines, John Forrest and I had this discussion over a coffee, and that was in the uh, end of 2016-17, and uh, we've got a number of uh, producers together, uh, albeit they were, you know, um, small to medium size, and our concern was about the reputation of Marlborough, and uh, the increasing dependence in the valley on, on bulk wine. And, and so Appalachian Marlborough wine, and the word Appalachian can be a difficult word to be used in Europe, <laughs> if it's outside Europe. So we did a lot of homework in, on that, and uh, I managed to get it registered in all the major sort of marketing um, where we, we would sell, New Zealand would sell wine. And so it's um, valuable intellectual property, if you like. And, and what it's all about is 100% Marlborough. It's about the wine being bottled. So no blending. No. Bottled yeah, in Marlborough. Bottled in New, in New Zealand. In New Zealand. So taking note that the, yeah, the economics associated with that, there's uh, a big bottling hall with two here in Marlborough, but there's also in Auckland. So making that available, you know, that availability, and it's about economics with shipping and different companies. And, and it's, it's about uh, origin, you know, the provenance associated with that. And, and the, the other is about the validity and the credibility for so the consumer. So how does the, um, do you rate the quality of the wines by yes, um, and, assessing and, them? and the integrity behind that, that all the wines are tasted by an expert panel. And, and, that, and that's just happened last week, I understand. Well, well, that happens annually. Yeah. Now, we just started off, it's like the, the evolution of the wine industry here. Uh, AMW itself is an evolution. And uh, we, put, we put a stake in the ground around Sauvignon because that's what Marlborough is well known. Most wine regions, international recognised wine regions of the world are known for two or three varieties. Probably one of those varieties is Chardonnay. It's grown all around the world. And it's more of a winemaker's influence on the style. And, but the other 
is uh, Marlborough's about Sauvignon and Pinot, if you like, and Chardonnay. Mm -hmm. And so our flagship is Sauvignon. So how, when you do the tasting, how can you be objective about whether it's good well, quality or not? Well, they're experienced people, and it is an independence. Uh, no one knows the wines. We have an executive officer that does a, a magnificent job, and uh, she is the only one that knows. And the records are all kept private and, and independent. Uh, we, we have a three-stage process. The tastings can go through if they're refused. But the, the mindset, we have 53 producers now, and everyone is about quality, foremost in their mind, and about the reputation of Marlborough as a premium wine-producing um, area. So what are the threats to Sauvignon Blanc in the export market? Um, really low priced in bulk wine and you know heading offshore uh, it's it's not mandatory that it, it, the when wine is bottled offshore that it goes through a, a checking process and our, our concern was always the, the, uh, the lack of credibility associated with that and the undermining of the reputation that's been well established in this valley of quality. And while, while we're not against bulk wine sales, it's not about that. You know, um, in my first uh, couple of visits to China, I was amazed at the amount of cheap Bordeaux wine that was there. So and the so French of, are doing it too? Uh, well, every major wine region of the world probably has, has lower priced wines and, and a bulk influence associated with it. But if you look at our sort of export statistics and, and where it was all going, uh, and then now, you know, you look at the sort of pricing that's out there in the market. You, uh, uh, in my opinion, if I'm biased, our, our wine is too cheap overseas compared to our, our um, European counterparts. And, uh, For the you know, quality yeah, that we're producing. Yeah, there's a lot of good producers in this country right through all the wine regions. Our wine needs to be more expensive. Overseas, I'm talking about, they make it more available to New Zealanders. <laughs> Absolutely, we love our Sauvignon Blanc. So exports of Sauvignon Blanc in particular seem to have, seem to have had huge growth through 2022 and record levels of production and exports have really been flying the flag for New Zealand in, in terms of export yeah. growth. Um, July and August 2023, there's some figures there in the statistics of sales it seems to have fallen off a bit. Is this a, is this a blip or well, explain as, that? As we know, you know, having travelled extensively um, marketing all the wares and, and, um, and New Zealand is hugely respected. Uh, Tourism-wise, as an export nation in a number of products. Um, you know, what's important to that, and this is what this AMW is about, is maintenance of that quality and, and actually making it better and to gain even greater respect. But what we're up against, we, we can't ignore in the marketplaces, is a worldwide economy. And at, at the moment, it's reasonably depressed uh, in, the, in the UK, uh, Europe, and Asia still, you know, for, for New Zealand wine is still going quite well. But I, I would suggest it's just a market 
situation, uh, perhaps a market correction. And, uh, you know, it's important that you still get up early in the morning and take note of things like that. Um, most of, you know, the AMW producers, uh, you know, we communicate regularly. Uh, we've got a marketing sort of campaign going out there now. Um, a a market's recognising the yes, Appalachian yeah, Opera brand, it's, it's just associated going brand. Momentum. Uh, we've just produced a map of the region, and, uh, and where, like, where does that cover? Well, it, it basically it, it's, it covers down to um, sort of uh, the Eura River. So it right. covers the you know the name the Wairau and the Awatere and 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 the East Coast. So what we've defined on that map is the subregions, and this again the evolution of an industry. You know, years ago, fifteen to eighteen years ago, travelling in the states, um, you had to explain where New Zealand was, and uh, never mind, you know, mentioning Marlborough at that time, and um, and not all places, obviously, in places like New New York and San Francisco, but if you're in some of the other states. And, and, and then, so describing sub-regionality like Fairhall, Rapara, uh, Kekarang, or, um, you know, it was just so strange, but not anymore. And it's important because Marlborough, it's a maritime grape-growing region. It's, it's, it's cool climate, and we have a great diversity of soils. We have a great diversity of macro and micro climates. And, and that makes it very exciting for the consumer to go and explore those it, different it, wines grown yeah. on those different yeah. soils. And, yeah. you know, we laugh about the days when Montana said they were never going to go to the Awatere because you couldn't grow grapes there. But, yes. you know, look, yeah. look what's happened there. Well, I, I can remember, um, uh, you know, um, quite a few years ago, um, the Waihopi Valley, which is, you know, for those I don't know, might be listening in. It's just past, not far past the airport. You've got the ta- little township of Renwick, and well, oh, you must never, don't go past the uh, Waihapi Valley. It's still cold there. The frost will, will wipe you out. And uh, now there's 60 kilometres up the valley from, yeah, from and Renwick. And it's still growing. It's, yeah, it's still growing. Yeah. There's, the grapes are still going, but and it's it, incredible. It's explaining that diversity of Marlborough and that sub regionality is so important to us. And AMW can help, and even if the, you know the other producer is not a member of, of AMW, it's about explaining our region in more detail and the diversity and the quality of wines coming from those various areas. It'd be absolutely boring if the wines were all the all the same. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell us about your wines, Ivan, because we're sitting in the most beautiful uh, building, the Bell Tower, looking out over the rolling hills down over some vineyards and towards an extensive planting of um, trees. So a beautiful piece of dirt here, Ivan, that you bought in 1979. Um, well, across, you... across the road, 1971, and then this property uh, we call the Dog Point Vineyard. Um, across the road is the Ashmore Vineyard, and we named it sort of honouring their great-grandfather uh, who came into Nelson and in 1854 on a boat called the Ashmore and then walked across the hills to here. And, well, he uh, found a good piece of dirt. I think uh, you well, probably no, got it, one it of It wasn't the here, but it was in the nearby. lower part of the valley. You know, he was more into sort of <clears throat> a mixed cropping market or market gardening would have been back way back then. But we purchased the Dog Point one block uh, off the Fairhall Fair Estate 
in um, 1991, and then set about um, establishing it. Uh, I was very fortunate in, um, I guess, my my time in the wine industry in Korea. You know, I changed tack from what I, I my training was at Lincoln a little bit. Um, what, what did you do? From valuation and farm management. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a tremendous course. But then I got associated with a guy by the name of David Honan for Cody Bay. I did some consultancy work for him in 1985. And he asked me to join them and look at, and lead his uh, viticulture in uh, 1986. In what varieties did you try? Uh, in the whole well, range? We were, we were looking at, um, uh, we planted Sauvignon and, um, and Pinot. Uh, he was keen to put a, a little bit of uh, Shiraz, or Syrah, mm-hmm. we know it here, but Shiraz in Australia. And I tried to talk him out of that. I said it wasn't hot enough for long enough. Um, but it took uh, four years to convince him of that. <laughs> and, and, uh, but it was basically Sauvignon, uh, some Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And what, what do you grow on Dog Point? Well, he, here, it was interesting. Pinot was out in the middle of the valley, but the soils... You know, you've got a, a, um, a uh, row orientation running north-south and then a soil profile because of what was a flooded plain, you know, in, in those adverse big floods with no stopback protection way back then. You had a soil profile running east-west. Now, you know, silts, stony outcrops, there's huge variation. Not good for Pinot Noir because you get uneven ripeness. It's very important that Pinot ripens evenly. And uh, so we planted some there for sparkling, but pulled it out after a few years, and it was Sauvignon and some Chardonnay. Very good soils for Sauvignon, with, you know, giving you this potpourri of, of different flavours and, and fruit character. So now you've uh, run those, have those two varieties, plus... So Chardonnay... Plus yeah. Pinot Noir? Yes. Yeah, so Pinot... Uh, we probably, uh, you know, pioneered with a company called From, the planting of um, Pinot on the hills, on the clay. And, um, and that's it's been quite a shift in the Southern Valley's irrigation scheme allowed that, you know, the watering associated with that. But we, um, we've, we've just concentrated on those three varieties. Uh, and my learning experience, you know, the 18 years at Cloudy Bay, um, it's about... Uh, narrowing the focus, uh, attention to detail. Um, and now you're organic, so yes, yeah, over the whole three varieties, um, and right through. Yeah, we um, uh, we made a brave move, um, and um, what would it be 2011, 2012. Uh, our first certified wine was in 2014. And we went straight away with 150 hectares. People thought I was mad. Um, but that, was that's a, a big bite uh, to chew a, off. There was a reason behind that. Um, we had some very, and we still do, loyal staff, very good staff. Uh, and it was important that they came on board right from the word go, a belief. And to, I've seen it so many times running conventional right alongside um, organic and it, it's, it's, it's criticism, if, uh, if you like. Nice criticism, but this difficulty of aligning. And it's, it's about perseverance and, again, a learning experience. 
You never stop learning in the wine industry. And um, we've certainly uh, learned with organics over the years. But I, th I think what's important, that um, it was a, a belief amongst ourselves is a better way to grow things and, and to present them to the consumer. And, you know, for the, uh, we've developed a property with a lot of natives around. How, well, how many know, hectares have you planted on the property? Um, we, we've probably, uh, in total now, um, you know, it, it's around the nice mill stream, the creek. But if you if you look at what we're planting and what we, it's more we've got to do, we'll probably end up with, with close to 10 hectares. Yeah, so it's, it's a beautiful uh, collection of exotic and indigenous plantings that have been recognised in Environment Awards. Um, you've also got an outstanding sh sheep system integrated through your vineyard as well, um, which obviously adds another layer to with your staff that you have to yeah, got livestock yeah. in there as well. Yeah, I so, enjoy the animals. Yeah, you know, um, my um, parents mixed cropping farm and, and stock fattening. Um, I couldn't get to grips with the mixed cropping, to be honest, but um, it wasn't my... <laughs> I think coming back and helping my brother, you know... Um, Clean out the harvester. Trying to row, and in the summer, and cutting irrigation pipes through um, sweet corn wasn't my idea of fun, but anyhow. Yes. But, um, no, we, it, it's, it's nice to have the sheep as a tool. Uh, we, we bring in um, anything from uh, three to 4,000 lambs, yeah, and, and buy them in as weaned lambs and take them through yeah, yeah, winter. Yeah, buy them in a store and take them right right through, and they do exceptionally well. Uh, the last are just going now, um, they're around about 25 kilos. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And, Who uh, do you sell your lambs not, not, to, Not the Ivan? desirable prices of last year. No, I know, yeah. yet they're great. Yeah. yeah, but they are, importantly, they're a tool for us. They, they, uh, we cut out tractor work with, with mowing, you know, and... Um, uh, in the autumn and again in early spring, we hold them as long as we can, um, and we, we take them out of the the Chardonnay and the Pinot, which is you know first with the bud burst, and then hold them on um, later um, Sauvignon block. So the last of them uh, are going at the end of this week. Yeah, great, that works really well. Yeah. So if people wanting to buy your wines or or come for a tour through. Dog Point Vineyard. Is that is, you don't have a cellar door, but is it possible to come for a tour or bring a farm yeah, discussion? Yeah, no, we, we, we uh, by all means. Um, uh, you know, uh, we have tastings by appointment at eleven and and two. We don't have the uh, flesh hairy wine. Um, a, a, uh, uh, I'm always being trying to be cost effective, and um, and they can be if you're not careful become bottomless pits. Mm -hmm. What we've focused on is the very best. Of equipment and a nice working environment. It's a wonderful, yeah. a beautiful setting. Yeah, yeah. No, we uh, we're happy. Um, Margaret and I pinch ourselves. The children, you know, have come back on their own account. Yeah. Have you got have, children involved in the yeah, in the family business? Yeah, three of them are in the senior roles now in the business, and um, I, I still enjoy coming to the office. Um, I have to pinch myself not to um, speak out too much <laughs> and, and get involved. But, you know, uh, part of that training at Lincoln and in the latter stages when I did um, some farm consultancy work was about succession planning. 
And I do now appreciate it when um, we're so both what's of us, the secret to succession planning? Uh, to plan well ahead, well ahead, and and uh, to have patience associated with it, and um, and allow the children when they uh, take over to make the important decisions, because if you've discussed it right and planned it right, they'll make those. They'll have those conversations with you and they'll respect your experience. But you need to start it early. Ivan, I think uh, that's you've summed up not only 50 years of Marlborough wine and your story and part of that, but also your future and what you have here at Dog Point Wines. And um, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I think it might be... Time for a glass of wine. What yeah, no, think? no, I couldn't agree more, Joe. No, no, it's a pleasure. It's, uh, as I said earlier, um, it's been a privilege um, to be a part of this wine industry for, 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 for well, 50 years is when Montana, so uh, our involvement is uh, approaching 44 years. 44 yeah. years, that's wonderful. All the best for the next 44. No, thank you. Thank you. Mm. Rural Exchange with NetSpeed, keeping the country connected. Well, if you liked that, you'll love this. Subscribe to Rex wherever you get your podcasts from and follow us on social media as well and get all the latest rural content at rexonline.co.nz.